0: This is One on One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports with top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis. This is One on One's NFL Friday. Welcome to Week Three of NFL Friday. Matt Murphy, Billy Reinhardt, Devin Clementi, and our fantasy expert for this show will be Charlie Maizano. Lots to talk about, and it's kind of official, guys. Thursday night football, I guess we could say, is back after <laughs> after a slow start to the season. Color rush looked great last night, both uniforms, and it was a shootout between the Rams and the 49ers. We'll get into that. Then we'll have our first fantasy hit with Charlie in about five minutes or so. Then some Jets, then some Giants talk, rather. We'll start with, with the Giants, even though they're both 0-2 right now, both New York teams. Then some fantasy, then Jets, and then Charlie will give us some sleepers later in the show. But... We're going to talk about the Thursday night football game, 41-39 Rams, the highest scoring Thursday night game of all time. Well, I mean, that's exciting, but who would have
1: expected that? The Rams and the Niners, probably two of the worst five teams in the NFL. I personally had zero interest in watching this game. I came back from a night class when my friends told me that it was a horrible played game, but it was exciting so far, so got into it a little bit, but... I never would have expected that coming into it.
2: Yeah. One thing that stood out to me was the development of Jared Goff. I mean, he's Can we played, call it that yet? It's I, kind I don't of early. Sean it, McVay. It is it is early, but Sean McVay I think has done a great job with this offense so far. Goff looked terrible last year. It looked like a huge bust with the first overall pick. Now he's had a few good uh, he's played a good string of games and 300 yards yesterday, 3 TDs, 22 of 28. He's looking good this year so far.
0: You got to feel bad for Jeff Fisher because he was let go <laughs> in LA and it was, it was kind of like, oh, maybe Jared Goff was just a bust, and that's why he didn't have a good season with him. And now new coach McVeigh comes in, and Jared Goff looks like a number one pick again. But, yeah, exactly. You guys hit the nail on the head. Who saw that coming? A shootout between Jared Goff and then on the other side, in those sweet black uniforms, Brian Hoyer almost led the team back <laughs> for the 49ers. And, Devin, you were saying before the show, he really only has Pierre Garçon to yeah. throw to. And I mean, <laughs> Carlos Hyde did some good things out of the backfield, but not a lot of weapons on that offense. But Brian Hoyer... it went, When you go into this game, you didn't think, Hey, he's an awful quarterback. I think he has earned like kind of reputation as just being serviceable at least in the league, based on his time in Chicago and other stops.
2: Yeah, and four straight years he started for four different teams. So obviously teams like him, teams without quarterbacks, Brian Hoyer's the guy to go to, and 330 yards yesterday, two TDs, Pierre Garçon having almost 150 yards receiving himself. I mean, they lit it up yesterday, and Kyle Shanahan I think is a big part of that too.
0: And Billy, how about the weapons for the Rams on the other side of things? Because in fantasy, I know we're all fantasy guys. We'll hear from Charlie soon. Todd Gurley, I was going against him in one of my leagues. Three total touchdowns. I think they were all in the first half. Two rushing, one receiving. Sammy Watkins had two touchdowns. Those two playmakers were huge for fantasy teams and for the Rams, who put up 41 points. Their offense looks potent right now. And don't forget about Robert Woods, too. I
1: mean, you got Woods and Watkins now, the two former Buffalo Bill receivers, and they both had over 100 yards yesterday. They look like playmakers for Jared Goffin. that's a big part of it, too. He didn't have great weapons last year. Tavon Austin, all what is he, Hey, five? he almost
0: scored last night well, on the reverse. Mean,
1: what is he, 5'8"? Yeah, at best, I mean, he's he's a gadget guy. Yeah, he's not your number one receiver type, so now he has some weapons to play with. McVay's a good offensive coordinator, coach, whatever, uh, so... I mean, things are looking up for the Rams. I'm surprised, though, with the defensive players they have that they gave up as many points as they did to the Niners.
2: Right, right. The thing that stood out to me, too, was that Gurley had three touchdowns and still got to the goal line two more times in the second half. He could have had five touchdowns. I mean, the usage that he's getting in that offense is insane, whether it's rushing the ball or even passes out of the backfield. They're obviously turning to him a ton. Uh, and he's getting a ton of usage in that Sean McVay offense.
0: With Goff, he actually finished with a 92.3 QBR and averaged 10.4 yards per completion, so... That offense, they're doing something right right now. And how about this? Which uniform did you guys like better, the all yellow of the, of the Rams or the all black? Personally, I like the 49ers all I, black I with the gold helmets.
2: Definitely all in on the all black 49ers. Those are sweet. Oh,
1: those were great for the Niners, but I think the contrast between the two is what made it great. But the other thing is you mentioned all the yards and the QBR and all that for Jared Goff. He was 22
0: for 28, so very efficient as well. That was very impressive for a young quarterback. <laughs> Who would have thought, yeah, Jared Goff, only six incompletions this early in his sophomore season bad news though before we move on I don't think we could say it's officially back yet like I did at the top of the show because this Thursday night is the Chicago Bears at Lambeau against the Packers so it might not be as fun to watch (laughs) I don't think the uniforms are going to be as nice for that one either but we'll see how it plays out for at least one week Thursday night football made some positive waves on uh, Twitter and other social media outlets we're going to talk Giants coming up but not before our first fantasy football hit of the show with Charlie Maizano who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week?
1: Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup.
3: Alright guys, so my first pick to show who should be 100% start in all leagues is Chris Thompson. Thompson has been one of the most shocking fantasy players so far this season. He has been getting almost all of the Redskins touches in the red zone, scoring twice in week two. Thompson will have the same role this week when they host the Raiders, considering starting back Rob Kelly is still questionable with an in, with a rib injury. So I've definitely made sure to continue to start Chris Thompson, who also in week two had twenty-five fantasy points in some leagues. Another running back you should definitely start is Frank Gore. The Colts go on the road to play the Browns who have allowed the fifth most yards and yards after contact since the start of the second half of last year. Since the start oh excuse me, considering they also don't have Andrew Luck and they're starting Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. You definitely should start Frank Gore because the run game will be featured a lot against the Browns D who is still without number one overall pick, Miles Garrett. And, of course, you guys think I might might be crazy to start him because he's a lock to start every week, but Aaron Rodgers should be started in all leagues. I know uh, he is regarded as one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but they're playing the Cincinnati Bengals this week. The Bengals have looked awful this year starting 0-2, and the offense has still not scored a touchdown this year. The Bengals have also only had one turnover this season so far, and they have not been able to stop, stop offenses on third down. So expect Aaron Rodgers to have an elite day for the Packers.
0: Before we move on to the Giants,
3: Charlie, I the just got
0: You're in comment on the music? Uh, I like the music a lot. The but... music, I feel like it's <laughs> 1960s
1: Batman with yeah. Adam West. <laughs> yeah.
3: I just wanted... that, music it's actually, that music is actually, I uh, think, from Spongebob for Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Really? <laughs> well, that yeah. takes
1: after Batman, I think. Uh, I think I'm it's not sure, to... yeah.
0: I just want to say one thing. Must start, you said Frank Gore. I'm playing you this week in one of our leagues. The first person on your bench is Frank Gore. I haven't updated my <laughs> roster yet. So who are you taking out? Jordan H- Jordan Howard in the flex or Chris Thompson, who you just said you have to start to, or Dalvin Cook? I think uh, he's just praising his own team here. He named three guys off his own team. Yeah, Two guys, right?
3: <laughs> no, two guys.
0: I, remember, yeah, I don't have Thompson, any Thompson, he had Thompson and Gore. He's got Gore on the bench right now against Cleveland. I mean, we'll see what happens. Hopefully Chris Thompson doesn't go off in that number two running back spot for you. But it is time to talk about... The New York football Giants 0-2 with losses to Dallas and Detroit. And it's all been about that offensive line and the lack of production there. They're in Philly, divisional matchup on Sunday. Let's hear what our Giants beat reporter, Tommy Aldrich has for us in this week's Giants report.
4: Not yet three weeks into the regular season, the New York Giants appear to be on the brink of catastrophe. Following Monday night's loss against Detroit, an 0-2 start against two conference opponents has the Giants backed up into a corner that no team wishes to be in after just two games. And although 0-2 is no laughing matter, there remain bigger problems for Big Blue. Namely, the reality that they are currently performing on par with the worst teams in the National Football League. There is no denying this. Both visually and statistically, the Giants are a markedly bad team. Visually, the offense is out of sync, out of touch, confused, without identity or consistency, whatever you want to say. Statistically, they have only scored 13 points in two games, not even a touchdown for each game. The scary part about this stat is that it is indicative of how New York has played for the past half season, as no one has scored less than them per game on average, going back to week 12 of last year. Moreover, the Giants haven't scored 20 points in their past eight games. More than anything, however, Giants fans are infuriated at how the team has been managed. The glaring question is, how could Jerry Reese have been a witness to last season and do absolutely nothing to address the primary concern from last year, the offensive line? I imagine that Reese was embarrassed on Monday night, watching his offense perform like a college one due to a glaring hole that he chose not to address. Moreover, Giants fans aren't happy with Coach McAdoo and the stubborn confidence he has shown in left tackle Eric Flowers. They are confused about how he has refused to denounce the struggling former top 10 picks play while at the same time publicly criticizing the quarterback. Needless to say, the Giants could really use a win this Sunday when they travel down I-95 into Philadelphia to play the Eagles. But maybe, just maybe, it's more important that the offense wake up. Covering the Giants, I'm Tommy Aldrich, WFUV Sports.
0: Good stuff there as always from Tommy Aldrich. Looking forward to the game against the Eagles this week, and maybe the Giants can get their first win of the season. But now it's time for us to talk about the New York Giants and last week a little bit, and then this week against the Eagles. As I said, Eli Manning and the Giants 0-2. Losses to the Cowboys and the Lions. Tough divisional matchup this week, but let's start, guys, with a look back at the Lions' loss, 24-10. They allowed five sacks, and that's been the biggest thing all year. The offensive line, specifically Eric Flowers, and that's been the main picking point when you look at this
1: team but I feel like it's something they can overcome. I mean, two years ago, they were a top-ten offense with a worse offensive line, probably, and less weapons on offense. I think this is a lack of originality in the playbook from Ben McAdoo. I mean, you saw in the second quarter that one drive they had where they were getting it out really quick. They had some originality with Sterling Shepard with end-arounds and uh, Evan Ingram coming out of the backfield to go for the seam for the touchdown. So they have some plays that I don't know why the offense is
0: so inconsistent, but Ben McAdoo just turns the switch on and off sometimes. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you because so many people have been talking about the offensive line. At what point do we look at Eli Manning's regression and then Ben McAdoo's lack of good play calling? I mean, that's I feel like they are equally as much of to blame here. Well, the offensive line is below average I mean we knew
1: that coming in it's been that way the last couple of years the Giants didn't do anything to improve that so if you d- expected it to get any better that's just silly so the Giants have to work around it. they know that they've been successful without a good offensive line and it just comes down to in my opinion unless you're going to trade for Joe Thomas or Joe Staley or one of those guys which I don't see them doing at this point or uh, Ben Igelana from the Jets that's that's been floated <laughs> around let's get to Brickershaw Ferguson out to retirement while we're at it but um Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I just think it comes down to Ben McAdoo having to make the most out of what he has, and the Giants have some really good skill position players They just have to get the ball out quickly and let those players go to work. The thing is, two years
2: ago, McAdoo, they had a top-10 offense. McAdoo was the one calling the plays, right? He was still the offensive coordinator. I don't know. There is definitely some, a lack of originality there, but a lot of it, I think, falls on Jerry Reese. I mean, this has been some terrible mismanagement of the cap, I think. Yes, he put together a great defense, but in this offseason, everybody knew, That the big flaw was their offensive line. Everybody knew that. And they had some nice weapons on offense. So the thing that he does is he goes out and signs Brandon Marshall, just adding to one of their strengths. And in the draft, in the first round, he drafts Evan Ingram, who's not even a blocking tight end. If you're going to go out and get a tight a tight end, trade up for OJ OJ uh, OJ Howard or something, somebody that can help you block in that line. Instead, he goes out for the sexy pick and gets Evan Ingram. I
1: don't even, know if Evan Ingram was a sexy pick. They reached on him, if anything. <laughs>
2: they reached on him, but the point I'm but trying. But
1: people, to got, make... on here, I, I, people gonna, got on board quickly. I'm going to I'm going to defend Der- Jerry Reese here because a lot of Giants fans say what you did, but. Evan Ingram, who would you like them to pick from an offensive lineman standpoint in the draft? There was no one there. Garrett Bowles. That there was a really poor offensive lineman. Garrett draft. Bowles was a
0: solid pick for Denver. And he did go down with an injury, but, but he, I'm saying they, the Giants would have loved to have a healthy Garrett Bowles. But there
1: was he went twentieth. In a normal draft
0: with normal tackles, he's probably not going that high. He was the That's top tough tackle, to say.
1: He, but I'm saying it was there are not a
0: lot of good tackles in the draft. He was a guy that was so experienced. He's an older. He was an older guy in the draft. He could yeah. step right into this giant like line. 25, 26 years old. Yeah, but he could step right in for a line that is bad. Sure, but
1: do you waste the first round pick? on no, that? I don't think they were in love with him anyway. But, but that, whatever. I'm there just were, saying, there were a
2: few good tight ends in the draft at the very least get somebody that can help you on the blocking side as well I mean Evan Ingram is well, not Howard didn't
0: get there rate. Howard didn't fall to them right Howard no, didn't fall no he and didn't then but Njoku, I think it was only a few picks J- apart
1: worked much, Ingram's been good so far in the passing game he's gonna have a much bigger impact right, than Joku would excuse me um, back to the free agency, free agency thing Brandon Marshall didn't they, another thing they did not have a lot of offensive linemen in free agency either Andrew right. Whitworth who the Rams got and he's improved their offense a lot he was really the only left tackle out there and he cost I think 10 to 15 million. So this it wasn't about Brandon Marshall not be allowing them to get him. It was about Jason Pierre-Paul. So would you have given up Jason Pierre-Paul for Andrew Whitworth? I personally wouldn't.
2: I mean, what's the bigger need? I mean, their defense was fantastic last year. Their defense is still very good, but when they're constantly on the field, I don't know how much that's going to help you. I mean, another guy out there last year was Kevin Zeitler. Maybe plug him in. You got to do something to get somebody serviceable on that line because without it, how are you what are you supposed to do with the ball?
0: They haven't been able to run the ball effectively, and besides Evan Engram, there haven't been a whole lot of bright spots in the passing game either. Because Brandon Marshall has struggled in his first year as a Giant. What's the stat everyone's been saying? The team hasn't scored 20 plus points in what is it? Eight games Seven, now? I eight? Yeah, I think it's eight games. I think it's games. it's eight games now, and I I mean they Brandon Marshall hasn't been able to do anything partially because Odell Beckham has been banged up, and in week two he wasn't really able to do anything. So that's going to be a storyline that we'll get to in a second or two when we talk about the matchup with the Eagles, but. I mean Sterling shepard has been quiet this year and, and Marshall too. Like I feel like the, the receivers haven't been doing their part either. And that some of that is on Eli. I mean, he has been he was actually called out by yeah. Ben McAdoo and he said it was it was deserved. Well Eli's a little gun shy. I mean, maybe desert, maybe he's he has some defense for that given
1: how bad the offensive line is. But even when he has time, he's not going through his progressions the way he should. So he's kinda of locking onto receiver and just he's not looking around for
0: Brandon Marshall. They're not even looking for Marshall in the red zone very much. I, they haven't. And, they've barely gotten to
1: the red zone. Right. But and I also does, think. Oh, go ahead, man. I also think that Evan Ingram runs similar routes to Brandon Marshall, so they've kind of overlapped at this point. Evan Ingram has gotten more targets, but like you said, with Odell Beckham Jr. back, I think this offense will be a lot better than it has so far.
2: No, yeah, I agree. And the only thing I was going to say is that when he does throw it to Brandon Marshall, he's been dropping the ball. It looks like he, his mind's not right. even on football. Like, like, and he's there was a play.
0: There was a play in the Lions game, Marshall caught a short pass they were in the red zone and it didn't even look like he was going to try to extend the ball out for the for the goal line like he just kind of accepted his fate at like the one or two yard line which I thought was really weird but speaking of OBJ he said he hasn't suffered any setbacks and he expects to be more involved against the Eagles so let's talk about this week against the Eagles on the road Eagles are one and one coming off a loss to a good Chiefs team who obviously shocked the Patriots in week one but the blocking doesn't get any easier for the offensive line. Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox of the Eagles are going to be a problem for this Giants team, especially, well, maybe not how you feel about this, but right tackle Bobby Hart has been ruled out, so Justin Pugh is going to play right tackle, but they're going to have their work cut out for them, all of the guys on the O-line, and I think Eagles fans are really happy that Eric Flowers is still going to be playing this week. Yeah, Pugh's an upgrade, though, on Bobby Hart.
1: I mean, he's a, I would say he's a uh above average left guard as a tackle. He's I'd say he's probably above average also. He played really well last game when they moved him to right tackle. That will hurt them though inside against Fletcher Cox. They'll probably have Jones there and he's not big at all for an offensive line, even though he held his own. But Eric Flowers has to step up. They don't really have the other guy inside of Brandon Graham this year. They lost Connor Barwin so maybe they'll do a little better there but Odell Beckham Jr. not on the injury report at, report at all so he should be 100% which is great news Evan Ingram was just taken off of it today he passed concussion tests he had a minor concussion whatever um Janoris Jenkins is the big story though because Huge. if they don't have Janoris Jenkins Alshon Jeffrey is going to have a field day if they don't have him. and not even Alshon Jeffrey because I think DRC can maintain him or rely relapse or whoever they put him I think the third guys, Tory Smith, will kill them downfield. Nelson, Nelson Aguilar, Aguilar, he's been good. They have Zach Ertz also. They have all these receivers that could give them problems if they don't have their full complement of uh, defensive backs. I
2: think the defense is going to be okay against, uh, against the Eagles. They don't have much of a run game. Um, I think they're going to put a lot of pressure on uh, Carson Wentz, even though the Eagles' line is very good. Um, I think the key is getting the ball as quickly as you can to OBJ on short slants and just get him into the open field, maybe short passes to Shane Vereen out of the backfield. I think that that's going to be the way that they win the game because, like you said, this Eagles D-line is going to be a problem for the Giants.
0: Yeah, I mean, neither team can run the ball well, like you said, Devin, and Carson Wentz seems comfortable airing it out, though. I mean, he's got 85 pass attempts through two games, which is an excessive amount. Good if you own him in fantasy, I guess, because he's been putting up solid numbers. But from that perspective, if you look at it, just you could go with the better offensive line if it's going to be a battle of passing, and the Eagles have a, a pretty good offensive line. I know yeah. they're going up against a good Giants front, but I mean, if you're an Eagles fan, you got to feel pretty good about this matchup. And I think we'll, we will give our picks for this, and we'll we'll touch on it again later in the show when we do our Week Three pickems. But I think this is the Eagles game to lose. It's their home opener. I don't have a score for you guys, but I think they handle the Giants uh, in this game. Handle them or win. They're going to win. I don't think it's going to be all too close. I mean, the Giants struggle playing in Philly and against the Eagles, pretty much for that matter, lately in recent years. I think the Giants' defense,
1: though, will keep them in the game. I mean, we've seen that this year. Even though they lost 24-10 uh, last week, that was a close game. The Giants were within one score for most of that game. Uh, the Cowboy game, too, they weren't too far behind. They could have sh- sh- uh, So, I mean, I, I, the Giants' defense keeps them in the game. Janoris Jenkins, I don't think the defense will struggle, but c- – given that they need to carry the offense as of now they need Janoris Jenkins out there well it seems like he's not going to play right at this point I would guess so yeah we'll see he's questionable
2: I I got the Eagles in this game I just think that they're a better team I mean they have one of the best o-lines in the league I think their offenses look good Carson Wentz has progressed steadily throughout his career I think that I think that they're probably going to win by 10 points double digits
0: all right so from one oh and two New York team to the other. It's almost time to talk about the New York Jets, who are getting set for their home opener. But before we do that, let's head back to Charlie Mizano with some guys you might want to sit in your fantasy lineup this week. Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs.
1: Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week.
3: So the first guy I'm sitting this week is Terrence West from the Baltimore, Baltimore Ravens. West is still questionable with the calf injury for the Ravens' matchup against the Jaguars in London. Regardless of his, if he is ready to go or not, West lost touches to Buck Allen, who is averaging more snaps this year, 72 to to West's 40, and more touches, 20 to 14.5. The Jags' D has also been revamped with new additions, and they will play in front of a London crowd who loves the Jaguars. So stay away from West this week. Another guy I'm going to sit this week, who Matt referred to earlier, is Jordan Howard. I have Howard in our league against in the WFUV league, and I'll be sitting him this week because he still, although he was listed questionable with the shoulder injury until this morning. Last week he only had nine carries for only seven yards and lost carries to rookie Tariq Cohen. Even though Howard is ready to go on Sunday, expect him to continue to lose touches to Cohen. And head coach John Fox could hold Howard out on some plays. The Bears will play the Steelers, whose defense has been lights out to start the season with the emergence of T.J. Watt. The Steelers have also limited their opponents to 18 and 9 points. Use anybody but Howard on the Bears this week. And the last person or people I think you should sit this week are any Vikings or Colts wide receivers. Without Sam Bradford or Andrew Luck throwing them the ball, their numbers will surely still be very low. Week 1, Stephon Diggs had 7 receptions for 93 yards and 2 touchdowns. Week 2, not so much. 2 catches for 27 yards. Same can be said about T.Y. Hilton, who has had only seven receptions in both weeks one and two and still has no touchdowns this season. I know that the Colts are playing the Browns, but I would still be wary about playing any Colts wide receivers this week.
0: One thing on those sit Charlie. Yeah. The first one he talked about, I get that we're sitting Terrence West this week. What about Buck Allen? Is he a must start? Because they're playing in London against a decent Jaguars defense. I have Buck Allen in a couple of my leagues. You just never know what could really happen in those London games. You don't know what kind of game it's going to be. And I feel like a guy that relies on receptions out of the backfield, it's tricky. I don't know if he's a must-start this week for me.
3: I don't know. I think maybe if just to be safe, I would put Buck Allen at your flex. Or if you have anybody else, maybe just put them put Buck Allen on your bench and start anybody else.
0: Fair enough. Devin, you want to say something yeah. about that? So, Charlie, I have a
2: question for you, actually. Sure. What's up? So, the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously, their offense has looked horrible. Yeah. Um, but you got a new offense coordinator coming in, Bill Lazor. He wants to get the ball out quicker, more short passes. Do you see any progression for guys like Joe Mixon or, a- or even A.J. Green returning to first-round form? What do you think about uh, how their prospects look for the rest of the
3: season? Well, I'm definitely curious to see how the new offense will look. Maybe, obviously, A.J. Green is a stud, so he's a must-start, but maybe I would hold off on Joe Mixon until maybe next week until we see what exactly their offense will be. Definitely
1: hold off on Joe Mixon. He's killed me two weeks in a row. (laughs) And also
3: Gio Bernard. I know he's really good in PPR leagues. He gets a lot of receptions in the backfield. But anybody besides Green on the Bengals offense, I would stay away from until after week three.
0: Getting set to talk about the New York Jets. Thanks, Charlie, for your second fantasy segment. Looking forward to hearing your sleepers. But like, like I said, getting ready to talk gang Green. But before we really dive into it, Let's hear my Week 3 Jets report with a prediction for their home opener against the Dolphins. The New York Jets are coming home, and they're coming home with an 0-2 record after suffering a 45-20 loss to the Raiders in Sunday's Week 2 matchup. This is the first time since 2007 that they've dropped the first two games of the regular season. Week 3 brings a divisional opponent to town, with Jay Cutler's Miami Dolphins up next. Before I get into the Dolphins' matchup with my official prediction and score, Let's review the loss to Oakland. The Raiders scored six touchdowns. Wide receiver Michael Crabtree accounted for three of them. That's not good unless you're, of course, Michael Crabtree or anyone on the Raiders. The Jets hung around for a little while, but the turning point of the game was really Khalif Raymond's muff punt with less than two minutes to go in the first half. Raymond, who ended up being waived this past Tuesday, had the miscue inside of the Jets' own five-yard line. That resulted in Marshawn Lynch making it 21-10 at the break and it was all Oakland and Beast Mode dancing on the sideline from that point on. Jermaine Kearse did add the second score of his two-touchdown day in the fourth quarter for the Jets, but as I said before, final score Raiders 45, Jets 20. Now back to the home opener against Miami this week, which is the first of an important three-game stretch. I think it's winnable because it's the home opener, and Miami is traveling back across the country after playing in L.A. last week, but I'm still going Dolphins 21, Jets 17 in this. Jay Cutler will do just enough to help Miami pick up win number two, and don't forget about Wake and Sue on the defensive line for the Dolphins. The next two games after this for the Jets are even more winnable in the opinion of most. Home against Jacksonville, and then in Cleveland against rookie QB Deshaun Kaiser in the Browns. Perhaps surprisingly, I think they can win both, but more on that next week. Covering the... I'm Matt Murphy, WFUV Sports. So there you have it, 21-17. I've got the Dolphins this week spoiling the New York Jets home opener. The Jets are 0-2 with losses to Buffalo and Oakland so far, and I've got them picking up that third loss against Jay Cutler and Miami. Before we really start getting into this with that matchup and looking back at the Raiders' loss, let's cue the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets chant. we just needed a little something to get us going to kind of get fired up for this segment because it's hard to talk about both of these teams right now really but it's been hard to talk about the Jets dating back to the start of training camp and as I said 0-2 45-20 loss to the Raiders it was close for a little bit But that game, the turning point was really the muffed punt. I don't know if you guys saw it. I think, Devin, you're a Jets fan, so we'll start with you. But Khalif Raymond muffed a punt inside of the 5-yard line. Marshawn Lynch ends up punching it in. At the time of the muffed punt this past Sunday, it was 14-10 Raiders, and the Jets were getting the ball back. From the point of that muff on, you knew it was over at that point.
2: Right, right. The Jets were getting the ball back, and then it was nearing the end of the, the first half. Then they were also getting the ball back at the start of the second half. Right, that's so, what I was talking about. Oh, yeah. 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 So that muff punt, I mean, they were in a great position, and then all of a sudden it was just it, – it, basically from that point on, it went how you would have expected it to go. Um, and obviously giving up 40, 45 to the Raiders. Um, but the thing that stands out to me is that this defense was not supposed to be this bad. I mean, that – A lot of people thought their D-line was at least going to be all right. I mean, Mo Wilkerson, Wilkerson, Leonard Williams, people expect a lot from Leonard Williams. He's been invisible basically this season. Um, And I think that a lot of that is going to fall on Todd Bowles. Uh, he came in. He's the defensive mind that they wanted to bring in, and that defense has actually looked like the weakness so and far. And both this of year.
0: those guys are banged up a little bit. Right, uh, Wilkerson didn't even practice much this right. week, and Williams has got something going on too. So you knew when they when they traded Sheldon Richardson, they would need to rely on those guys even more so, and they haven't really stepped up to the task. And then in the secondary, there's been some growing pains with Jamal Adams and Marcus May, but they've flashed their potential at times. Billy, the offense, Josh McCown hasn't been bad he he hasn't been great but he's been solid and he's hooked up with Jermaine curse who the Jets acquired in that Sheldon Richardson deal the running game is still a question mark at this point and I think everyone expected a lot more out of Bilal Powell in heading into week three but McCown to curse has been the connection and I don't think Jets fans should be disappointed with how the 38 year old McCown has played I don't think Jets fans should be disappointed at all with how the season's gone so far. I mean, they're
1: giving up an average of thirty-three points per game. You'd like they're for that scoring to though a little bit better, but they've been in games. They haven't been getting their doors blown off. They lost by twenty-five points last week, but it was close game for the first half. The Raiders are my pick to go to the AFC uh, championship. So. I mean, I wouldn't be disappointed if I'm a Jets fan, but Josh McCown has looked good so far this year. They're giving Matt Forte a little too many carries, in my opinion. Um, Robbie Anderson's been a little bit of a disappointment, in my opinion, too. Well, they might
0: try to trade Forte. That's why they're kind of showcasing him with some carries right now. He hasn't really done too much. Now it's actually a three-man backfield. The rookie Elijah McGuire, too. The offensive coordinator, first-year OC John Morton, said that heading into this week, it's a three-man backfield. So if you have Bilal Powell in fantasy... Kind of put him on the back burner, at least yeah. in week three. How much do you have to showcase Matt Forte, though? I mean, he's, getting, he's been in the league for 12, Right, but I mean, teams still I mean. want to see that he can do it, and it's probably a good bet that they're going to move him if they, if they can find the right deal. But, Devin, Michael Crabtree scored three touchdowns against the Jets, and I have him in a league. I know we're talking a lot about fantasy, but there's been some good performances so far this year, individual performances. And I talked about Adams and May, the safeties, but Justin Burris, the corner, was in coverage on two of those Crabtree touchdowns, and he was also on the field and made a bad read on the Cordarrell Patterson right, rushing yeah. touchdown yeah. out of the backfield, which I get that Patterson is a speedy guy. He has a ton of, not a ton, but he's scored on returns in his career. Uh, with the Vikings. Now he's a Raider. You cannot let him cut up the middle like that on a play like that and score from almost 50 yards out and run in as a wide receiver.
2: Absolutely not. I mean, they made him look like Marshawn Lynch. Uh, The arm tackles, it was just, it was terrible. Um, I actually, I haven't been that disappointed in Adams and May so far this year, but pretty much every other aspect of the defense has been a huge disappointment. And it's crazy because you came into this season thinking that this offense could be historically bad, And honestly, it hasn't even looked that bad. Putting up 20 on the Raiders is not terrible. But the fact that this defense that was supposed to be young and progressing and basically the foundation uh, for the seasons to come has been abysmal. Are you
0: worried on offense about Robbie Anderson at all? Because in camp, he had a good connection with McCown, and then Jermaine Curse comes to town, and it's all Jermaine Curse who yeah. scored two touchdowns against Oakland. Robbie Anderson just hasn't been able to get off the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. and he's not really putting up numbers like he did last year in his first year as an undrafted free agent.
2: Well, he's not getting great separation. I mean, last year was pretty much a broken season. I think that the connection that he had with Bryce Petty that they established basically as being backups the whole season um, – was what got him those numbers, Um, and I just think Kurse is a better receiver overall, Um, and he's getting more separation. That's why McCown's relying on him, but I'm not super concerned with uh, Anderson's lack of production through the first two games.
0: Fair enough, and something I touched on in my Jets report this week is how this week, so let's look ahead now, is the first of a three-game stretch that I've been talking about all summer, the first of a three-game stretch that contains winnable games, so to speak, because it's the Miami Dolphins coming in all the way. They were in L.A. They practiced there for a week. They did beat the Chargers by two, but now they got to come back to the East Coast, play against the Jets in their home opener. And I'm really interested, Billy, to see the atmosphere for this home opener because the Jets are in a weird spot. A lot of fans don't want them to win, but it is a winnable game. So I think it's going to be weird. I'm not expecting a great crowd. I'm just kind of curious to see if we're going to get any early boos and and how it's going to go down on Sunday. Oh, I think it's going to be packed. I mean, the Jets fans are pretty rowdy.
1: A lot of people gave up season tickets this year. I still think it's going to be packed. For the opener, they're going to be there. They're going to be doing those J-E-T-S chants. They're going to be rowdy. It's going to be a game in the fourth quarter, but the Jets will ultimately lose again.
0: (laughs) But it is winnable. You would agree with that, right, with that assessment? Because Jay Cutler looked okay in his Dolphins
1: debut. It's as winnable as a game could be for the Jets this year. I guess. But I the Dolphins made the playoffs last year. I like Jay Cutler personally. I disagree so. that it's as winnable as it gets because they well, do Jaguars and Browns,
0: whatever. They're all the same thing. <laughs> they'll lose all three in my opinion. But. One thing I'm looking at um, in this matchup against Miami is Ndamukong Sue, obviously. I don't think he's been talked about as much as he should be this week. Going up against the Jets' offensive line, and Brian Winters, the guard, has been questionable all week, hasn't been practicing an abdomen injury. If he doesn't go – to put in a backup against Nadaami and Sue is going to be a problem, and they also have Cameron Wake on the defensive line that 's really where the game turns for me. that defensive line going up against the jets blockers
2: right right I, I agree one hundred percent Their defensive line has looked really good looked really good in the first game. Um, but I also think that just Adam Gase is a really good head coach, in my opinion. He is, um, and I think that he's just going to outcoach Todd Bowles. I don't think Todd Bowles is a very good coach. I think that he brought more out of Jay Cutler um, than most expected in the first in the first game. And uh, Devontae Parker looked good. Jarvis Landry looked good. Jay Ajayi tore up a Chargers. Questionable uh, this week. He's Jay questionable, Ajayi.
0: right? You see that catch um, Devontae Parker had last Yeah, week? that was insane. That was insane. <laughs> he's <laughs> also insane. banged up a little bit. So is Landry. But if these guys play, they're They're going to be the most talented players on the field. Absolutely.
2: And with the way that the Jets' D has looked, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they put up a ton of points.
0: And the Dolphins' defense, actually, speaking to their defensive line with Sue and company, they held Melvin Gordon to 13 yards on nine carries last week in their win. I know he did have Mm -hmm. some catches out of the backfield, but that's concerning. I don't think the Jets are going to get anything going really on offense. And It's going to be a tough matchup. But another thing is Austin Safarian Jenkins is coming off a suspension. I don't know if he is definitely suiting up because Todd Bowles said he needs to get in a little bit better shape. He did drop like nearly 30 pounds in the offseason. He quit drinking. He was a training camp hero. But I don't know if this is the game where he's really going to make a name for himself in a Jets uniform. But tight end is a spot they haven't gotten anything out of yet. They added Will Ty right before the season, the former Giant. He's done a couple of things. He's had a couple of catches. But uh, tight end, they haven't gotten anything, and Safarian Jenkins – is eligible to play, we'll see what happens.
2: Absolutely. I'm excited to see him play. Like, like you said, he shed a lot of weight and he gave up drinking, so you're seeing a lot of good stuff out of him and I just want to say, we haven't had a real tight end since, like, Dustin Keller. Um, so, uh, <laughs> <Justin> <laughs> so You used the term real, real pretty there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, But the point is that it's very hard, um, especially for the Jets who are trying to find the quarterback, it's very hard to develop a young quarterback these days without um, a weapons. tight end. Without, weapons, without in weapons in general. <laughs> but without a tight end, I mean, you look at tight Marcus Mariota, for example, the Titans. They have Delaney Walker. All these young quarterbacks, a big part of their development is being able to rely on that big tight end. So I think that getting Safarian Jenkins back, seeing what he can do, hopefully he can produce, that can be a big uh, big uh, sign of progress for them.
0: And ASJ did score a touchdown in the preseason in the finale against the Eagles, but it came uh, off the arm of Christian Hackenberg, so I don't think we're going to Is he see good that enough to have week. a nickname? I had a- a- ASJ. Who's ASJ? ASJ. No, <laughs> everyone calls him ASJ. I mean, you on the Jets. I mean, it's, hard, it's hard to kind of get his full name out, like Austin Safarian Jenkins, every time you're talking about him. I get it, but. You, you got to give me like the code on the bottom. ASJ <laughs> equals Austin Sperry Jenkins. All right. Before we talk about you, how you guys think the game's gonna play, out, I know Billy, you already said you thought they're gonna lose, and I already obviously gave my prediction. But I want to hear what Devin has to think in a second. But before we do that, just with quarterbacks and how it's gone, we talked about McCown, but you got Petty there, and you got Christian Hackenberg. Petty's been the second string guy, so he mm-hmm. just kind of claimed the backup spot, and Christian Hackenberg in that third spot. Next year, everyone's still looking at Sam Darnold and these quarterbacks in the draft, and I don't believe the Jets have their quarterback of the future on the roster, so it's kind of just going through the motions at this point. I think Petty and Hackenberg will get games at some point this year, but neither is going to be able to do enough to warrant not drafting a quarterback next year.
2: No, I agree 100%. Um, I actually, I, I'm a fan of Bryce Petty. I, I, I like everything he says off the field. I think he's a hard worker. The true but Jets fans he, like him. It's y- kind of weird. Yeah, it is weird. The thing about him, though, is that I just don't know if he has the talent. You know, I think he works hard. He seems like a nice guy. But he's not going to match up to the Sam Darnolds or I don't, maybe not even the Lamar Jacksons in the next, next year's draft. So He um, doesn't have,
0: like, the it factor no, like you could get with yeah, a
2: franchise guy in the draft. And we, and we
1: saw him last year. I mean, he was nothing special. He was actually somewhat of a disappointment, in my opinion. I had bigger hopes for him than how he played. I think you have to see Christian Hackenberg. He's the one unknown of what you have. Before you go in the draft next year and draft someone, you have to see what you have with him. So I think if anyone gets games besides McCown, it should be Hackenberg.
0: Well, with the, the, um, the way that fans feel about the backups right now, I think a lot of it has to do with what have you done for me lately in the preseason. I know mm-hmm. it's not a good indicator, but Petty had some good showings in the preseason. Hackenberg didn't, so the people that were high on Hackenberg before preseason game action kind of jumped off the the bandwagon quickly and now they don't even want to give him a chance in the regular season but I think the Jets need to obviously I mean he could be a solid backup in the league who knows I mean he could be a good injury replacement for Sam Darnold next year we'll see <laughs> what goes on with that but Devin how do you think this week against the Dolphins is going to go
2: uh honestly I think that the Dolphins are going to uh are going to take this one by double digit points I i don't think that the Jets are going to be able to put up a ton of points on the Dolphins' defense. I actually think their defense could be better than the Raiders' defense. And the Dolphins looked good against a Chargers team last week who I actually think is pretty good. They're pretty talented on both sides of the ball. So I think the Dolphins are going to put a ton of, uh, put up a ton of points and take this easily.
0: 28-17 Dolphins. Just throw a score in there right at the end. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll see what happens with that game if the Jets can avoid falling to 0-3 with their home opener on Sunday. We've got our predictions for the rest of the matchups around the league coming up, but let's hear about some sleepers in our final fantasy football segment of the show with Charlie. Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players
1: that fantasy owners are currently overlooking.
3: All right, so my first sleeper for this week is a New York Jet, and he's their starting running back, Matt Forte. Many fantasy owners drafted high on Bilal Powell instead of going with Forte because of, his con- because of their concerns with his injury history and his reduction of play on a bad team. Forte, however, has been the featured back on the Jets' offense, averaging the most touches and yards to the offense. Their opponent, the Miami Dolphins, have allowed the third-most rushing yards since the start of last season, so make sure you have a running back or flex spot for Matt Forte. My second sleeper is Alan Hearns. Obviously, Week 1, the Jags lost star wideout Alan robinson with a torn acl so that more, that meant more production for the other wide receivers last week alan hearns exploded with an average of 20 fantasy points after he had six receptions for 82 yards in a td although his touchdown last week was in garbage time expect blake bortles to feature hearns in the offense more this week in london On a side note last season alan hearns scored a game-winning touchdown against buffalo in their london game so maybe the crowd will want to see hearns out there more often and my last sleeper is a Cardinals running back not named Kerwin Williams. So we either start David, um, Chris Johnson or Andre Ellington. With no David Johnson for maybe the rest of the season, one of the Cardinal running backs are due for a big week in primetime against Dallas. The Cardinals offense in the air has struggled so far this season, so maybe Bruce Arians will look to get the run game going with backup Andre Ellington or recently re-signed Chris Johnson, whose carry count will increase this week according to Bruce Arians in a, pre- a press, pregame press conference. Johnson has also outsnapped and outtouched Williams, so either Ellington or Johnson could see a big workload on Monday night.
0: All right, I, I was surprised that you went with the Jets to yeah. uh, start that up with Matt Forte, <laughs> but I like it. I can't disagree. I mean, you never know with sleepers. There's not. I don't have a question for you because it's so unpredictable. But you're gonna stay right there because we've got our Week Three pickems. So our producer in the back, Dom Muscarella, cue it up. Into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. Let's start off with the London game. The Baltimore Ravens are the away team against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm huge on the Ravens this year. Didn't pick him in week one, and I regretted it. It was one of my three misses. I'm taking Joe Flacco. He's elite against Jacksonville across the pond. This is a tough one. I honestly like the Jaguars. I feel like
1: in a London game they could pull the upset. The Ravens come out a little slow, but I'm gonna stick with the Ravens.
2: I'm gonna take the Ravens too. That defense has looked elite so far this year, and I don't there's no way Blake Bortles is putting up points on that day.
3: Ravens all around, I got Baltimore. Next up,
0: let's go to the Denver Broncos at the Buffalo Bills. Bill's home game could present some problems, but Trevor Simeon has been surprisingly good this year so i'm going with denver despite being on the road yeah denver's a force to be reckoned with so far
1: this year they took apart the cowboys last week they'll win this one rather easily
3: i got denver in this one it's another four four people sweep i got denver also
0: and i don't expect that to change with our third game here pittsburgh steelers at chicago bears another case of the home team going down to superior talent give me the killer bees the steelers steelers as well
3: steelers It's Another sweep. I got the Steelers.
0: I so badly want to change my next pick just for the sake of the listeners. The Atlanta Falcons in Detroit against the Lions and Matthew Stafford. I think it's going to be a shootout, and the Lions are the home team. I could see it happening, but I don't trust it. I'm going with the Falcons. They looked too good against the Packers last week. This is going to be fun. You just said shootout. I mean, it's in a dome,
1: two high-powered offensive teams. They like to pass the ball. 40 points apiece, but the Falcons are going to win it.
2: I'm going to go with the Lions here. I wanted to. Yeah, Devin, you're I'm braver gonna, than I am. I'm, I'm going to go with the Lions. I think that their defense is a little underrated, and I think that the uh, $150 million man Stafford is going to take this one.
3: I'm actually going to agree with Devin. I'm going to go with the Lions as well. They looked really good against the Giants, so I'm just going to stick with it and go with Matt Stafford and the Lions. Well, those are the picks
0: that get you the points in our ranking system, and, and if you want to win the week, you got to be bold. Let's go to one of the harder games for me to pick this week in week three, the Cleveland Browns in Indianapolis to take on the Colts. It's a matchup of bad teams. No Andrew Luck, remember? No Andrew Luck for the Colts. So they've got Jacoby Brissett in there. I'm going with the Colts simply because they are the home team. I know some of you guys are higher than Cleve- on Cleveland than I am. Give me the Browns and Jabril Peppers. They're going to go into Indy. They're going
1: to win the game. Browns, let's go. I got
2: Cleveland. I think that they're – I have liked the way the young town has looked so far, and Indianapolis has just looked abysmal.
3: I'm going to agree with Billy and Devin here, and I'm going to go with Cleveland because Deshaun Kaiser should pick it up against a defense that isn't too good. And on top of that, the Jacoby Percet-Scott Tolzien experiment has not looked good at all.
0: Hey, people forget the Colts just signed Matt Jones. Not that he's going to do anything (laughs) this week, but just wanted to throw that out there. Next up, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who obviously only have one game under their belt, just like the Dolphins. They're in Minnesota to take on the Vikings' tough road game. But no Sam Bradford again this week for the Vikings, as we found out today. So that's why I'm taking Jameis Winston and the Bucks in this matchup. Yep. If Bradford was playing, I'd take the Vikings. But
1: I agree with you. Winston's going to be too much for them. Buccaneers win that game.
3: Buccaneers here as well. Another sweep. I got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
0: And we got another sweep coming because it's the Houston Texans at oh, don't be so the sure. New England Patriots. I'm going Patriots all the way. Easiest game of the week for me to pick. Patriots. 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 Miami Dolphins at the New York Jets. We all picked the Dolphins when we were going around in our Jets segment, but let's see if Charlie changes it up at the end.
3: Uh, No, I'm not changing it to the Dolphins.
0: (laughs) Dolphins all around. New York Giants at Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going with the Eagles, as I said before. I think the home opener, Carson Wentz, has really looked good this year. The the line will hold up against the strong Giants front. Eagles all the way here. Oh, how I want to pick my Giants here. We don't want to go down 0-3. Looking at the schedule for the
1: season, I said this is a game they're going to lose anyway. Start off 1-1, one and one, be 1-2 one and two after Week 3. Why not? We'll be 0-3. Eagles will win this game, but Giants, they're not done yet.
3: Eagles over here. I got the Eagles, too. Carson Wentz has looked really good this year, and Zach Ertz at the tight end position has put up a lot of points in fantasy, and he's been lights out in the position.
0: This is going to be a good game, the next one. The New Orleans Saints in Carolina to take on the Panthers. Panthers' defense has been pretty stingy this year. Obviously, the Saints have a great offense, bad defense. I'm going to go with Cam Newton and the Panthers. Home field advantage, and the Saints' defense is just so bad.
1: Panthers are at scoring their opponents 32-6 this year. They're going to beat the Saints at home. The Saints don't have the luxury of playing in the Superdome. Panthers take that.
2: I think Kelvin Benjamin's going to have a big game with Greg Olson out, and I think that the uh, Panthers are going to blow the Saints' doors off this
3: week. This is actually a tough pick for me because I think Drew Brees and Michael Thomas are going to have a bounce-back week but I think that Christian McCaffrey will get going, and I think Cam Newton will get the offense back up and running, so I think it's going to be Panthers as well.
0: So apparently Charlie doesn't buy into the whole Christian McCaffrey can't run between the tackles at the next level thing. Moving on, Seattle Seahawks at Tennessee to take on Marcus Mariota's Titans. I'm going with the underdog, the Seahawks, despite them being on the road. I just haven't been sold on Mariota this year. Corey Davis, their first-round pick, is out again for that Titans offense. Give me Russell Wilson, even though his line stinks. I think they'll get it back on track. I'm going to take
1: the Titans. I mean, the Seahawks have been probably as bad as the Giants this year offensively, and it hasn't gotten as much coverage, at least not over here in the New York area. Titans are going to win that one at home.
2: I have the Titans this week. Obviously, that Seattle line has been horrible, and I think that Tennessee is a good team all around.
3: I'm going to go with the Seahawks like Matt. I think that Russell Wilson is going to tear up their defense, and that's why I think the Seahawks are going to win.
0: This is getting close, boys. There's only a couple of games that we've disagreed on so far. This is not going to be one of them. The Cincinnati Bengals, who will now be without Tyler Eifert as well this week, at Lambeau to take on the Packers. I like Aaron Rodgers and company to roll over the Bengals' offense, who has struggled mightily this year. Packers are going to destroy them. This is going to be like 42-13,
1: something like that in Lambeau. The Cheeseheads are going to be going nuts. Packers take this one easily.
2: I'm going to take a shot here. I think new offensive coordinator, there's an element of surprise. Maybe they pull off a huge upset. No Tyler Eifert as no, about 20 minutes ago. No Tyler Eifert, but uh, maybe I think that they're going to showcase Joe Mixon a little more, and maybe you, you, they surprise you. Bengals.
3: I'm going to go with the Packers. I said in my fantasy segment that Aaron Rodgers is a must start, and I think he's going to tear up that Cincinnati D.
1: Aaron Rodgers right. is a must-start every single week. He's the yeah, best quarterback absolutely. in the NFL. <laughs> I the know, best. but I'm just saying
3: in general, their defenses look pretty bad. So it's just an adds more bonus to start Aaron Rodgers. Sure.
0: And the last game before Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football on my sheet here is the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Los Angeles Chargers in L.A. I wanted to take the Chargers here, but then I read that the Chiefs have won their last 11 games against Phillip Rivers' Chargers. So I'm going with the Chiefs, who have looked really good this year. And last
1: year in San Diego, they had majority Chiefs fans there. I'm not sure why, but that's how it was. I don't expect anything different in L.A. Even though now. it's in L.A.? I don't expect no one goes to the games in L.A. <laughs> oh, but not. you're <laughs> going to have all those people from Kansas City. They're going to be traveling to L.A. now, San Diego. I mean, that's a great trip to make. So <laughs>
0: Chiefs going to take that one have a nice home crowd advantage.
1: Chiefs, I agree.
3: Chiefs in a big win.
0: Sunday Night Football, another one I wasn't able to pull the trigger on, but I thought about it. The Oakland Raiders at the Washington Redskins. I think Terrell Pryor Sr. is bound to get back on track at some point. He got targeted a ton in week one, but I just think the Raiders' offense is too good, and the Redskins' defense is not that good. So I I got the Raiders here. See, this is a very, very tough game to pick. You mentioned Terrell Pryor, former Oakland Raider. Yep.
1: I forgot about that. He's going to (laughs) show out as a wide receiver this time. Redskins take this one at home on Sunday Night Football.
2: I'd love to see Terrell Pryor dominate this week, but uh, I got the Raiders
3: over the Redskins this week. I'm going to agree with Matt and Devin. I'm going to go with the Raiders this week. I had to
1: go
0: out. I mean, we're too similar. I had to throw that one out there. Hey, there's been a couple of games we disagreed on. This might be one of them to round us up here. Monday Night Football, Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, and Ezekiel Elliott in Arizona to take on the Cardinals. I don't know here. It's it's tough. I mean, if the Cardinals had David Johnson, totally different story. I think Zeke is bound to get back on track after a an uncharacteristic week for him. Give me the Cowboys to bounce back after their loss last week to Denver. You mentioned David Johnson. That's a big difference maker in
1: picking this game. I think it's going to be a good game, though, on Monday night. Two teams that I'm a fan of. Not a fan. I hate the Cowboys, but they're a good team. No, we're going to pull that clip. You're a fan (laughs) of the Cowboys. Um, I think the Cowboys take this one. Ezekiel Elliott will bounce back.
2: I I really wanted to go with the Cardinals here. I'm a big Larry Fitzgerald fan. Who isn't? But uh, I got to go with the Cowboys. I just think they're a better team.
3: I'm going to round out the day by sticking with everyone's pick and choosing the Cowboys.
0: All right, that does it for our picks. I'm just trying to take a look here and see which games we disagreed on. So we got it there in front of us. What's the biggest difference? You look at it, Charlie. What's the the biggest change we got there?
3: The biggest disagreement we were on was, I think, either the Lions-Falcons game or the Colts-Browns game. I know me, Devin, and Billy picked the Browns, but you went out and picked the Colts, while the Falcons and Lions... Two people picked the Falcons. That was you and Billy, and me and Devin picked the Lions.
0: If the Redskins beat the Raiders, I automatically win. Let's make that right now. (laughs) I thought about the Redskins and the Lions as upset picks, but I obviously stayed put. Raiders got to go all the way cross country, Sunday Night Football
1: on
3: NBC. Another game that we actually uh, split on was the Seahawks-Titans. You, Matt, and me picked the Seahawks, and Billy and Devin picked the Titans, so that should be a good one.
0: All right, so we'll see what happens there. That's going to do it for week three of NFL Friday. For my co-hosts, Billy Reinhardt and Devin Clemente, Charlie Maizano with the fantasy advice, and our producer, Don Muscarella, I'm Matt Murphy. Check back next Friday for week four of NFL Friday.